Thank you. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to open... Actually, no. Never mind. I'm sorry. Now, this is the first sign that you should maybe be a little nervous. All right, if a pastor says, never mind. Now, here's the thing. I, I am going to say this. Uh, I am extremely excited for today. I really am. Uh, I'm, I'm slightly nervous for today. We, we are going to be talking uh, about prayer and fasting, and mainly we're going to be talking about fasting. And this is an idea that uh, if you're someone who has gone to church a long time, if, if you've had a relationship with God a long time, you've probably heard this phrase before. Maybe you've taken part in fast or something like that. Uh, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. But if you were here last year, we talked about fasting. And, and I've kind of gone through something over the last year here of wrestling with this idea of fasting. Uh, and I've just kind of been feeling God leading me in, in a little bit of a different direction here. Um, and, and kind of pointing out maybe how many things in my life have slipped into tradition. Things that I just do for the sake of tradition. I do them because I always have. I do them because someone else told me to do them. And I do them in a way that someone else taught me. Instead of necessarily always going to God's word and saying, okay, uh, what is this? And, and yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous for today, but I, I, want, I want to tell you this. Like, let's just... Today is going to be this. It's going to be me kind of exploring a little bit as you guys sit here and listen. And uh, one thing that isn't healthy in a church is when, when people show up and they just listen to everything that a pastor has to say. They never go back and look at it themselves. They never dig into it. They take everything at face value and say, well, they must know what they're talking about. So I don't ever need to learn or dig into any of this on my own. Now, I'm going to challenge you today that at the end of, the end of this, that there isn't going to necessarily be a, an easy, like, here's what you go and do this week. Instead, it's going to be, okay, how can you be challenged to maybe grow in this area, to maybe question what you've always thought? And, and I'm excited for that because what, what the Apostle Paul would say is, like, this is what's moving from milk to meat. All right, is when we no longer are spoon-fed everything, but instead we are willing to, to look into this on our own. And so I want to kind of start this conversation for us, uh, but we aren't going to necessarily end this in a perfect little way where we, we tie a bow on it and everything's great. All right, so let's just be ready for maybe a different approach today. All right, uh, why don't we do this? So let's stand. I, I want to pray, and I want to just kind of start this off that way. Jesus, we, we just come to you, Lord. We, we open up your word, God. We, we, we focus on you, and we ask that, that your words would come through today. God, if there are areas where we have been complacent or apathetic, God, if things have become tradition or habit, but they need to instead have a, a reverence about them and, and an importance in our life, God, that that would happen today. Lord, that you would begin that process in us. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. All right. Have you ever used a tool for a purpose other than what it was used for? Okay. Um, okay, uh, this isn't in my notes. Real bad example. Uh, I went up on my roof yesterday to try and shovel my roof. Now, we know how much snow we've gotten. And I had a moment where in my head, I was like, you know, if I tie a rope to my snowblower, 
which is a single-stage snowblower, one of those smaller, little lighter ones, and I bring it up on the roof. This job might go really well. Okay, thankfully, then the logical part of my brain kicked in and said, don't you dare. Okay, because not only, like, as you're doing this, my wife Emily is going to see this, like the snowblower going up out the window and be like, this is bad. You know, so thankfully I didn't do that. But, okay, so another example of this, like, I, as a pastor, you have to wear a lot of different hats in life. Okay, like, there are things that I um, am, am sometimes expected to know how to do that I was not ever taught, okay? You just do so many different things. Uh, Pastor Erin, over this last year, as she's just been on staff here, she's like, if I would have known what ministry actually entailed, <laughs> what the day-to-day job is. And so one of those things for me uh, has been kind of like graphic designing, okay? Or doing video, doing, doing Photoshop, different things like that. That as a pastor, sometimes you just have to kind of know how to do some of those things. You have to be able to create different things. Um, and... I have never taken any classes on it. I've read some things. I've watched some YouTube videos. More often than not, I've, I've tried to just figure it out. Okay, and so we have Photoshop, and there have been times where uh, I need to, like, remove a background of a picture. Okay, and I don't necessarily know the right way of doing it, but I have figured out my way of doing it. Okay, and I grab, like, this tool, and I'm like, well, if I do this, this, and this, I, eh, it kind of works, and it gets the job done right? And, and there's times where actually, so Pastor Karsten, who is the children's pastor at our Sox Center location, he is, he's amazing at graphic design, video editing, all these different things, uh, the Adobe suite, like he knows how to use all that software. Um, and, and if he's sitting next to me as I'm doing something, he's probably just shaking his head being like, what are you doing? What, why are you using that tool to do that? You know, that tool is actually used for this other job, and there actually is a tool that is made to do what you're doing. You just don't know how to do it. You're using the wrong tool here, okay? And and I think that, like, he has a way of doing it way better, way faster, way easier, but I have my way of kind of getting it done, and I make it work, all right? And and so, okay, maybe you're not, like, a super technological person, and this, this example doesn't really work for you. Okay, so if I had a piece of wood, all right, and I want to drive a nail into this piece of wood. Okay, like there, there's a certain tool for that, right? We all know that. And so obviously, it's an adjustable wrench. <laughs> and if I put this here, it works. That nail is in the wood. Right? Yeah. Now all you guys are sitting here thinking, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Obviously, you would not use this. You'd use a hammer. Well, I don't want to use a hammer. I want to use this. This is what I've always used. In fact, this is what my dad used. So my grandpa used. I have some friends. They're just as dumb as me. They use this. <laughs> and it works. I don't need a different tool. I can use this tool. Now, when you think about this, you'd say, okay, actually, there's, there's a better tool for that job. And actually, the tool that's in your hand... Did you know that that tool is meant to do something else and it does it really well? All right? That's what you would all think as I'm sitting here hammering in with a a wrench. All right? It's a terrible way of doing it. A hammer is going to be way better. Now today we're going to talk about fasting. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that, that Christians talk about and use. But I'm starting to wonder if 
we maybe have been using this discipline incorrectly. We aren't using it for its intended purpose. And because of that, maybe your experience with fasting is you think it's kind of worthless, you don't really like it, you've tried it, and it hasn't really done what you want. Or maybe you have tried it and you're like, yeah, I I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish with it. Same way that I accomplished hammering that nail in. All right, so I want us to do this. Like, what is fasting? Fasting, simply put, is going without food. Okay, it's going without food. And fasting can be done for different reasons. Maybe your doctor has asked you to fast, uh, to not eat and maybe even not drink because they want to run some tests and they don't want food to impact those results. Maybe you have heard of someone doing kind of intermittent fasting uh, as a way of being healthier with food and kind of even as a diet where they're like, okay, I'm going to eat this and then I'm going to fast here and I'm going to eat smaller meals and all these different things. Like this is fasting at its simplest form has to do with not eating. Well, fasting is talked about in the Bible as well and it seems to have some spiritual significance to it. Now, the way that I've always heard the way that I've always heard it been taught and understood fasting is that we fast for a reason. We want something to happen, so we fast and we pray with specific results in mind. Okay, am I the only one that that's kind of been the idea of fasting? Anybody else here would say, yeah, that's kind of what I've been taught, that's what I've heard. Okay, and and maybe this is all new to you. That's fine as well, all right? It's kind of like this idea that Um, I've been taught that if you're really desperate, you have something really big that you're praying for, you want to show God that you are extra serious about this, so I'm not only going to pray, but I'm going to fast and pray. I'm going to stop eating. And this type of mindset with fasting leads us to this, um, like, so that or in order to type of mindset. Uh, And what I mean by that is we are fasting so that certain things happen. Or we are fasting in order to get whatever it would be. Fill that in. It basically means we we are doing this for a specific result. That's what I had always thought of with fasting. And I think that's because it's the approach that most of our modern American church has taken with fasting. Now, I don't necessarily have that belief because of biblical precedence for it. I have that belief because of tradition. That's what I was taught. It's what I saw others doing. Well, if that isn't really what the Bible says about fasting, why is it what people are teaching and believing about it? Well, two things here. I think first is because the Bible actually doesn't give us a whole lot of teaching on fasting. What it is, why we do it, when we do it. Like, the reality is, like, nowhere in the Bible is there a blueprint that's given for fasting, Instead, we read stories about people who are fasting. We hear, uh, we hear people talk about fasting, but we aren't given super clear directions around it. We see that people did it. It was part of their spiritual life. It was part of their tradition. And that Jesus, actually, he expects that we will do it in our lives as well. We do see that in Scripture. But there's no clear answers around it. So when something isn't clearly spelled out in the Bible, we are left trying to piece something together, uh, almost kind of in the dark a little bit. And what happens is we, we look at Scripture, 
We see someone fasting, and then often we see some result that happens. So intuitively, we put that together and we come up with this idea. Okay, the the second reason why I think this is what we've kind of been taught or what we've believed uh, is because, in a way, it sort of works. It does. Like, I, there have been various times where I've fasted because I wanted to hear from God. I wanted some clear direction in something. I wanted uh, something in my life to change. So I fasted and prayed, and guess what? It worked. It worked. Not every single time necessarily, but enough times for me to think that this is a good way to accomplish that. All right? Now, here's where I think the illustration of the wrong tool still accomplishing the job. Right? Like, I've used fasting in that way, and it has accomplished the job that I wanted it to do. When I fast, I I go into a time of being more focused on God. I leave more space in my life to listen to God. I intentionally remove some distractions in my life, and and I don't eat. And the result is I hear from God. But the question is, is, is that result of hearing from God because I didn't eat or because of all the other things that are actually attached with fasting? Right? Like I've attached all these other practices like carving out time for God and paying attention to him, removing distractions, and, and actually going in with an expectation that I maybe would feel led or, or maybe hear God. Maybe if I did all those things in my normal life while still eating, I would hear from God. Because there have been times where I'm intentional about this, and, and I set time aside and I say, God, I, w- I want to focus on you. I want to hear from you. So if is fasting working for what I want? Yes, I, I guess it is. Is it the best tool for the job? Maybe not. Maybe these other pieces that we have actually attached to fasting, because remember, fasting is simply not eating. We often say fasting is not eating and instead focusing on God, and, and we list all these things. That's actually not, that's not fasting. That's not listed anywhere in Scripture for us. Fasting is not eating. And maybe there's actually a different purpose for fasting that it does a better job at. And it's like going up to someone who's using the adjustable wrench as a hammer and they're pounding away and getting all the nails in and I say, hey, uh, do you know that, that you aren't actually supposed to use the wrench in that way for pounding in the nails? And they say, well, why not? It's working. And not only is it working, but again, this is what my dad did, this is what my grandpa did, this is what my friends do, this is what everyone does. Okay, well, there, there might be another reason. There might be another purpose. And I think sometimes instead we think, well, you know, I, yeah, I'm not super efficient with hammering in that nail, but I have a friend who's gotten better with it, and they're really efficient with it. So it's not the tool that's the problem, it's me. I need to just figure this out. And I think that that's an approach that we've had to fasting. Maybe you've tried it and you're like, but I know people that I respect and they, they've done it in this way and it's worked and it's, it's given these answers. So if it doesn't work for me, it must be me and I need to figure this out. It isn't until we see maybe the real purpose of that tool and we use it in that way and maybe instead find a replacement tool that we can say, wow, I, like, I was going about this in not a very effective way. So if this is like my big argument for the day, then, then, then what, what should we do to hear from God? 
and what is the purpose of fasting? Well, I would say the right things that we should do if we want to hear from God are a bunch of the things that we do with fasting. We've attached to fasting. Intentionality. Focusing on God. Removing distractions. And earnest, heartfelt prayer. And you might say, that's fasting. All those things are fasting. I got no... Those are the things we do alongside of fasting. But we have this idea that fasting is like the extra hunger strike that we add on to all of those for the extra oomph and kind of twisting maybe of God's arm. Saying, okay, I want this to happen so badly that I'm not even going to eat. And God, I want, I want to see this happen. So when should we be fasting then? We've talked a whole lot without actually addressing the main question. What is the purpose of fasting? Why should I do it? When should I do it? So previously, if we thought that we fast and then we get a result. Now when we look at the examples of fasting in the Bible, we can see some patterns in it. And I want to lay these out and give us a better foundation to build on. And we may honestly, you may still land in the same spot on fasting, and that's completely fine. I want to bring up this conversation, though, for us to actually process and think through, okay? When we look at the examples of fasting in the Bible, we see patterns, all right? And uh, so there's around 30-some examples or mentions of fasting in Scripture. And fasting in the Bible isn't so much about being a tool we use, but instead it's a way that we respond, Okay, God does something. Something happens. God moves in some way. There is a divine moment. And the appropriate way to respond to this divine moment and God moving is to respond in a way that will interrupt our life, and that's fasting. Eating is probably one of three things that every single one of us will do every single day. There are not many things in this world that, that I can say personally, I'm going to do this every single day. But there are a few. Now, if I actually even extend that and say, not only me, but this entire room, there are very few things that all of us are going to do every single day. But I can guess that for the most part, those three things would be sleep, use the bathroom, and eat. Those three things we are going to do almost every single day outside of some weird fluke where, you know, you're, you just didn't sleep at all that day or maybe you're really unhealthy and drank no liquids. You're like, oh, I haven't gone to the bathroom today. You know, but for the most part, like, we do these every single day by interrupting and suspending one of the most core habitual things that we do daily we are intentionally not letting our life just continue on as normal. So God moves, something happens, there's a divine moment of some type, we respond by fasting. We interrupt our life and say, something big happened, God did something, I don't want to move on until I can process this. So we interrupt the most core parts of our life. Now, biblically speaking, fasting follows divine moments with God more than it precedes them. 
Okay, I'm telling you, go back and read through these examples that are in Scripture. And you might be sitting there, and sometimes we think of the most obvious ones, and we're like, well, but I've always heard that, that Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, and then he started his ministry. Yeah, absolutely. But broaden that a little bit. What actually happens right before Jesus fasts in the wilderness for 40 days? He's baptized. He's baptized, and God the Father speaks, and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. There's this amazing, huge moment with God, a divine moment, a life-changing moment that Jesus has at his baptism, and he responds by fasting. When we look at the biblical examples of fasting, this is, this is the way that it plays out. Now, what constitutes a, a divine moment might mean a few different things. In fact, uh, mainly in Scripture, there are three different categories that we see in Scripture of when people fast. Okay, and, and I'll go over these quickly. The first group or category is sort of called like a, a crossroads moment or a defining moment. And, and this is a few of the famous fasts that we see. But this is not the most common. This is probably about half a dozen of them, okay? Uh, all of the well-known 40-day big fasts that happen are, are this type. We have Moses who goes up the mountain. God reveals himself to Moses. Moses fasts for 40 days. We have Elijah in 1 Kings 19. We just looked at that in our Out of the Cave series. And God reveals himself to Elijah and he fasts for 40 days. We have Jesus and his baptism. Okay, we, we also, we have in Acts 13, the church in Antioch, uh, they're gathered together, they're praying and God says, I want these two individuals to go and do something new. And this is the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. And what do they do in response to this crossroads moment? They fast. And then they lay hands on them and they pray and they send them out. And there is a result that happens. We have the church begins to multiply, the first missionary journey. So if you have some defining moment, some big change, some big crossroads in your life, the best response, scripturally speaking, would be to fast. If you have some big moment, you're like, I don't know if I should still be working at the job that I'm at. I don't know if our family should be living in the town that we're at. I don't know if this is what we should do. Your response should be to fast. Now, it's not necessarily to fast for the result. That's the response. It's saying, God, you're moving. You're speaking in some way. My response is to fast. And for me, I, I've done this. This is, this is where fasting has come in. This is how I've practiced fasting in my life. Either scheduled ones, like I'm going to fast at this time, or in response to something like this. Again, probably the most well-known, most thought of, but it's, it's the minority of instances. The second group would be turning from sin. We see moments where a person or group or people or a whole nation realize that what they are doing, the way they are living is wrong. They come to that realization for, for some reason. Whether God reveals it to them, a prophet reveals it to them, uh, something like that. And their response to this knowledge is to fast. And this is like signifying the change of, of their direction. This, this huge moment of I've been living my life wrong, I'm going to interrupt one of my core habits, a habit I need to survive, and, and I'll turn. And they may come to this realization because of God or, or someone else. Right? Now Israel does this in 1 Samuel 7. 
The Ninevites do this in the book of Jonah. The Jewish people do this um, in, in Ezra chapter 9. They've been away in captivity and they come back and they realize that they've been living wrong. They've been uh, intermarrying in, in, in a way that God told them not to. And the whole nation begins to fast as a response to them realizing this. So if you come to a realization in your life that you have not been living in the way that you should, that there's something that needs to change, there's something that you need to repent for, the best response is to fast. Biblically speaking, the best response is to fast. Now, I have never fasted in this way before. I have never fasted uh, as a repentance or because I realized I was doing something wrong. But this right here is the most common reason for fasting in the Bible, at least of the ones that are listed. That's what we have to work with. This is the most common reason for fasting. Trust me, I've had plenty of times where I need to change how I'm living and I'm doing something dumb and I haven't been living the way God has called me to, uh, but I, I never have fasted as a response to it. And most of these in scripture are like 24-hour fasts. All right, then the last group of scenarios that people respond with fasting in is tragic situations. There might be big calamities that affect a lot of people or a big event that, that deeply impacts one person. David fasts when King Saul and Jonathan are killed. We see David fast and not eat while his child is dying. This is uh, in Nehemiah 1 after he hears about the state of Jerusalem. Pastor Aaron talked about that last week. This happens in the book of Esther when the Jewish people find out that they are about to be wiped out. There's going to be a genocide against the Jewish people and they fast. Now these usually have a specific outcome that they would be fasting for. They are mourning, they are weeping, they are praying about it. All right, so you're kind of like, well, I thought this was supposed to be a response, not to get a result. All right, now when we fast as a response, I think oftentimes a result will still happen. Results will happen from fasting. And that result might be huge for us. But the difference compared to the old idea of fasting to get something is that the result wasn't the purpose or the reason for the fast. The purpose was to respond to this moment and as we respond to God, often things will change and there will be some tangible result that will happen. But the result is not the motivation, the result is not the purpose. The divine moment with God is the motivation for the fast. Fasting has more to do with changing us than it does changing God. What's the purpose then? If this isn't about changing God, if it isn't so that we can get something or have a result, why would I do it? That's the million dollar question for today. And can I be honest with you guys and say this? I don't entirely know right now. As I've been digging into this, I, I think I can see some things that are in this. And this is not a place that usually we want to land on a Sunday, right? Like, oh, I can't wait to go and hear all the things my pastor doesn't know. <laughs> but let's just be honest. At times, like, Scripture is not always super clear for us. What I do know is that my personal approach to fasting in the past, it may have worked. It may have accomplished what I wanted. But it doesn't seem to be the approach that the vast majority of people in Scripture had with it. 
So that tells me I'm probably missing something here, right? One thing that's become really obvious to me as a pastor, also just as a person, uh, is that our culture doesn't have a very healthy understanding of emotions. First off, we try to separate emotions out into like these different categories and we have the physical side of us and the emotional side and we, we, we kind of pull these things apart. And we often fight our emotions and we try to not let them come through honestly on the physical side. Like we may feel it in here, we may feel it in here, but I don't want to show it out here. And I don't think we really know what emotions are always appropriate and, and when. And, and we just take whatever our idea of emotions is, whatever we were raised with, and we think that's how everyone else should be. So if I was raised in maybe a uh, Finnish home, a more Scandinavian home, or, or one of these homes that's a little more stoic, you know, it's don't show emotion. Showing emotion is, is weakness. And so not only do I feel that for myself, but I start to actually apply that to other people around me. And I say, man, that person is so weak. Like, they just can't even hold themselves together. Like, at the, just the drop of the hat, they lose all their emotions. Everything falls apart. Meanwhile, that person was raised that you need to show what you're feeling inside. You need to let these emotions out. It's, a, it's not healthy to deny what you're feeling. And so they feel emotional all the time. And they look at someone else and they say, you're not emotional about this? Like, how cold-hearted are you that this doesn't make you emotional? Right? Like, we have our own ideas surrounding emotions and we begin to transfer those on to other people. Where you see this the most is surrounding death. When we lose somebody, if you've lost somebody recently, think about your family. Think about like going to the extended family and how everybody handled it so differently. Who's to say that you have the right approach or so-and-so has the right approach? We don't really know what to do with our emotions and I think it's because we've tried to separate them out. Do we realize that, that God made us as holistic beings? Everything, together. The emotions, the physical, the spiritual, everything. And, and there's actually been a lot of different uh, philosophical thoughts over the years. Plato has this big one of separating out the, the, the physical and the, the soul. That's actually Plato. That's not a Christian thought. And always trying to pull those apart and say that they, they don't really go together. And that's found its way into different Christian beliefs. But instead, we, we were made, we were made to be holistic. So when these big moments happen in our life, think about this with me. This, this is where I've started to kind of land on this, and I'm not telling you this is right, because I don't know. But when there's big moments and God begins to move in my life, I feel things internally. When there's something that I feel really guilty about, I've been doing it wrong, and wow, there's all these different things. You feel that inside. Your, your stomach is in knots, and you feel sick, and you're like, oh man, I've been doing this wrong. When there's some tragedy, some calamity, when we are seeing news stories of things around the world, or we lose someone personally in our life, we feel that emotionally, don't we? That's the three categories that we see fasting as a response. I am starting to land in a place where I wholeheartedly believe 
that at least part of fasting, I'm not going to say this is all of fasting, but part of fasting is to actually bring our physical in sync with our emotional and our spiritual. That when something happens, we interrupt it and we, we want to feel that physically as well because we have all these emotions stirring inside of us. We don't know what to do with them. We aren't healthy in the way that we do it. And I think that God has laid this out. God does this all the time. Like, God cares about us physically. Do you know that the, the vast majority of the laws in the Old Testament of like Leviticus, all the food laws and things like that, they actually were because God was trying to make us healthier. Like if you go at that time, the, the, the animals that they were told you shouldn't eat those animals, it's because they did not have a good way of processing those animals, eating that meat without getting certain diseases. So God's like, just don't eat them. Because I care about you physically. Because I want your body to be okay. And yet today we separate out the, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual. We pull these apart. And I think that's part of why we have this unhealthy approach to emotions in our lives. Now all of these moments that we've talked about, these are serious, more somber moments in scripture that are responded to. There's a moment with God, serious, somber, responded by fasting. What do we do when there's a, a serious divine moment that actually is very joyful? There's actually, there, there's a spiritual practice for that, and it's feasting. Fasting and feasting. We've talked about this a little bit before. That there is actually something very healthy and spiritual about feasting. And we see this at, at different times. You know, we, we see this in the parable of, of the, the lost son that's ran away. When he comes back, what does the father do? Kills the fattened calf and throws his whole feast. We see Jesus, he calls Levi, the tax collector, in Luke 5, and he says, uh, come, follow me. Levi drops everything and follows him. What happens that night? They throw a feast. And in that chunk of scripture in Luke, what immediately follows that? There's this feast, and people come and say, why, Jesus, why are you eating with all those people? He says, we're celebrating what's happened. And actually, the next conversation and you know that Luke has pieced this together in this way on purpose, is then the people coming and saying, Jesus, why don't, your, <clears throat> why don't your disciples fast? The Pharisees fast, John's disciples fast, why don't yours fast? And he says, because you don't fast when the bridegroom is with you. And he, he goes into this, this analogy that maybe we don't always understand. Basically what he's saying is, you don't fast at a wedding. A wedding is a celebration, it's joyous, it's, it's exciting. You feast at a wedding. But someday the bridegroom will be taken from them and there will be a time to fast. And so we see him kind of lay these out in these like different types of responses based on what's happening. And Jesus is saying, I'm starting something completely new. This whole new kingdom moving forward. You guys, the Pharisees, John's disciples, you were fasting in response to the previous things, the old things that happened. The destruction of Israel, all these things. They often fasted to remember those different things. And Jesus is saying, I'm starting something new. There will be a time to fast. But you better believe it's going to be a new way of doing this. So what does this all mean for us? I want to challenge us as a church to begin to, to bring fasting into our lives. Maybe you're here today, this is the first time you've heard of it, and you're like, wow, that was a whole lot of information I did not need because I didn't know anything about this. <laughs> All right, well, glad you're here. 
Maybe we need to just kind of have a, a, a new approach to some of these things. But I want us to let this be a natural response to God in our lives. So here's what I would say. In 2023, I want to respond to God in a healthy, biblical way. And fasting should be part of that. That, that's something that I can say with confidence as your pastor. When I look at scripture, that when God moves in my life this year, I may not even really fully understand it, but fasting should be part of that response. And I'm okay stepping out and doing something that I don't fully understand. Even if I don't understand the, the reason, the purpose, the benefits of it, but I think that's how we should respond. When something big happens, when God speaks to us, when we become aware of our failings, when something tragic happens, we should respond by fasting. We should interrupt our daily routine. We're at the beginning of the year here, and I think it's very common for people to take a step back and evaluate their lives at the beginning of the year. It's kind of what we have New Year's resolutions. And I think that this is a natural time. I, do, I, I think that there's times where we can, we can say that I, I want to practice something and, and we can schedule it. What I'm not saying today is this. I'm not saying, hey, stop fasting the way you have been. Completely stop. It's wrong. And we need to be done with that. I'm not saying that because quite honestly, I still don't, I don't know. And I think at times we, we get good results from that. I don't think God is sitting there saying, well man, you sure don't know how to use this tool that I've given you. You sure don't know how to, how to fast and you're doing it the wrong way so I'm just going to completely remove my grace from you. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's the truth. I think instead, it's kind of like us sitting here with an adjustable wrench hammering in a nail where someone might be sitting there just saying, yeah, that works. You're getting the result you want. You can keep doing that. But did you know that there's actually another use to that and you might be missing out? And I think that's where I'm trying to kind of land in this. And I'm trying to just... <laughs> Trust me, this is, this is me trying to just, uh, this is a, 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 I don't like saying this is a humble approach because <laughs> even by saying that something's humble, you're kind of not being humble. But I don't know the answer. And at the end of all of this, I, at the end of maybe you digging into this, you may say, I, you know what, I think I'm going to keep fasting the way that I have. Great. Because I want us to be intentionally focusing on God. And if that's what the, if the way that you have fasted does that for you, that's awesome. Please don't remove that. But are we missing something here? So my challenge for us is just in this next year, let's begin to put this into practice as a way to respond to God in our life. Instead of immediately running to our friends and asking them what they think about this big crossroads moment, maybe we stop and interrupt our lives and say, God, what, 
do you want to expound on this? Do you want to clarify this? Or do I just need to kind of process this? Sometimes I think God has actually given us the answers and we just need to slow down and process what is going on. And sometimes the answer becomes a little bit more clear. So this week, we're going to give an opportunity for actually both these practices, fasting and feasting. And in a moment here, the ushers are going to pass out this card. And uh, you don't necessarily have to fill it out, but we would love for you to fill it out. And it's just going to kind of ask you, like, what do you think? Is this something that you'd put into practice in 2023? Are you willing to, to try this as a way of responding to God? Because in the Bible, that, that's what they do. That's what we see over and over and over. They respond to God in this way. And then maybe you're actually at the spot in your life right now or this week where um, because we're going into a new year, you're already in a moment of self-reflection. Maybe you already feel a bit of a crossroads in your life. Maybe you're realizing, I can't continue living the way that I was. I need to do something new. Maybe you walk through the doors for the first time today and you're like, wow, I, I actually, I need to do something with God. I don't really know what that means. I don't understand it, but I know something's missing. And maybe this week you want to try fasting as a response to that moment. That might mean a meal, two meals. It might mean a day. Now, I think there's times for us to really like dig in, but again, like, I actually have a hard time, like scripturally speaking, I've always had this idea that like, well, if I fast four days, that's so much holier than fasting two days. I think the only reason why that ever came into our mind is because we see Jesus fast 40 days and we're like, whoa, take it easy, buddy. You know, so we're like, Jesus did 40 days, Moses did 40 days, all these big guys, oh, the more days, the closer I can get to that, the better. And but again, actually, in, in, the, in the way that we see fasting throughout Scripture, I don't really ever see that either. So I want to challenge you this week. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to respond to. And maybe you want to try fasting as a response. Allowing the physical and the emotional maybe to kind of pull together a little bit. And then next Sunday, we're going to have a time of prayer. And we're going to have the time of prayer at 5 o'clock, an hour earlier than we normally would do our Sunday night prayer. And then at 6 o'clock, we're going to feast. We'll provide the main course, pulled pork. If you want to come and be part of that, just if you're able to bring something to share, great. If you're not, come anyways. But we want to just give an opportunity this week maybe to kind of step out in these. Maybe, maybe you want to come together and feast because you want to celebrate something that's happened over this past year. As you've been reflecting, you've noticed something. You're like, I need to celebrate that. So ushers, why don't you come? They're going to pass this card out. You can start passing it out as soon as you kind of get up. Um, I want you to take a look at this. We're going to take a few moments. And then the ushers are going to be at the door with buckets at the end of the service here. Um... And there should be pens kind of around you with the connect cards, things like that. Um, and as you're leaving, if you would be willing to do this, um, we would love for you to drop that card in the offering bucket. 
just saying, hey, I, I want to try this. Whether it's I want to try fasting this week or maybe I want to try fasting this year. Like I don't have anything right now in my life to respond to, but I know I will throughout this year. And you're saying, I'm, I'm willing to try this. And then the last one is simply, do you want to be part of our feast next Sunday evening? Do you want to come together and celebrate maybe what God has been doing in your life and share that with people? Maybe this is completely new and you're like, I don't even know. I need to, I need to go respond to this sermon by fasting because I can't process what's happening. I just, I, I want us, my desire as a pastor of this church would be that we respond to God in healthy biblical ways. I think that's a pretty generalized thing that I, I think most pastors would agree with. We want to respond to God in the right way. And there seems to be a way that I have missed out on. And I want to try it. I want to try it as a response to different things. So I'm going to pray. Why don't you stand with me as we just close. God, I thank you for moments like this. Um, as, as frustrating as it can be at times to not have clear definitive answers in scripture, God, I, I thank you because what it does is it forces us to draw in closer to you, to draw into your word, to begin to um, look at this for ourselves. God, I pray that today would maybe just begin to stir something in us. God, that we would leave here and we'd feel challenged. We would go and we would look at this and we'd, we'd try and look at different things throughout Scripture and, and, and that we would land in a spot where we want to respond to you in a healthy way and that you would guide us in that. God, we just pray for your clarity in our lives. That over this entire next year, Lord, that, that we would have clarity, that we would trust you, and that we'd be able to respond in godly ways. God, we just ask this in your name. Amen.